Well, by a quick show of hands, how many of you have seen the movie Home Alone before? All right, most, most people here. Uh, you see, uh, it's one of my favorite Christmas movies. And uh, every time the second Sunday after Christmas rolls around, I find myself thinking about this movie. And, and I'm guessing that since uh, most of you have seen it, uh, that you remember how the movie begins, uh, that the McAllister family uh, is flying to Paris for Christmas, uh, that the morning they're supposed to leave, they wake up late, and that there's just enough time to pack their bags, uh, leave their home, and to catch a ride to the airport. And, uh, and the movie, it does this great job of showing just how close they cut it. That there's just enough time to arrive at the airport. That there's just enough time to board their flight. That there's just enough time to settle in for a long night over the Atlantic. And so there's this sigh of relief. And that's when uh, Peter and Kate, the parents in this movie, realize the unthinkable. Uh, some 30,000 feet above the ocean, somewhere between Chicago and Paris, they realize that their son, Kevin, is missing. You know, the movie is uh, it's a comedy. Uh, the setup is absolutely ridiculous, and how the writers resolve this problem is, is really hysterical. Uh, but this, this is a terrifying moment. I mean, this is every parent's worst nightmare. Where is he? What do we do? How could this happen? And while none of us have uh, ever been in this particular situation before, I'm sure that we all know what it's like. What it's like for everything to be all right, for everyone to be there, and then to turn around and realize that someone, uh, a friend, a child, a parent, someone is missing. And I bring you into this kind of moment uh, because this is the kind of moment that Mary and Joseph have in today's reading. A moment of turmoil, a moment of crisis, a moment that they quite honestly had never expected. I mean, they thought that Jesus was with them. Uh, But then a day outside of Jerusalem, they turn around and they realize he's missing. But you see, I'm probably getting ahead of myself in the story. You see, it's, uh, it's been a little while since we uh, were with Mary and Joseph last, about 12 years to be exact. And well, next week, uh, we'll come back to a story somewhere in the middle. Uh, right now, I want you to consider this. Uh, Jesus is no longer an infant ripped, wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Uh, Jesus is no longer an eight-day-old baby boy being dedicated in the temple. Jesus is a 12-year-old boy. I mean, he's probably studying for his bar mitzvah, and and next year he won't even be a boy anymore. He'll be a young Jewish man. And uh, and we know very little uh, about Jesus' childhood, but what we do know is this. Uh, His parents have been incredibly faithful. I mean, every year uh, they would take him to the Passover celebration. Every year they would take him the 90 miles from their home in Nazareth to the temple. And and you can count that journey in all sorts of ways. Uh, But no matter how you count it, it's a journey that Mary and Joseph would have taken on foot. And so make no mistake, they have been incredibly faithful. And yet it's, uh, it's not the Passover celebration uh, that Luke wants us to notice in today's reading. I mean, he covers that part in, in just about a verse. Instead, it's this thing that happens on their journey home. And it, it probably all starts early in the morning. Mary and Joseph pack their bags and they join one of the large caravans leaving the city. And, and there aren't just a, a couple of large caravans leaving the city. There are hundreds of them, hundreds of caravans headed to the hundreds of towns throughout the region. And the caravan that Mary and Joseph joins is, is filled with family and, and friends, family and friends from their hometown, aunts, uncles, 
cousins, grandparents, the, the people down the street, all people that Mary and Joseph would know and love and trust. And so when they leave the city early in the morning, uh, they probably do what they always do. I mean, they probably divide up. Mary goes and finds the other women. Joseph joins the other guys. And Jesus, well, they, they just assume that Jesus joins the large crowd of kids that are heading home with them. And, and if you're Mary, if you're his mother, you know, Jesus is a good kid. He's a, he's a great kid, and, and it's not like you're all piling in the minivan, stopping every few hours for a bathroom break, and fighting over who gets the last Chicken McNugget at McDonald's. I mean, you are walking on foot for as many hours as you can, and, and so you don't get back together until the end of the day, and that's when you realize Jesus is missing. And so, so you and Joseph, you, you divide up. You go looking for him, and, and you're a little annoyed at first. I mean, Jesus isn't where he's supposed to be. But after 20, 30, 40 minutes of searching, that, that feeling is re- replaced by anxiety and, and this pit that forms in, in the stomach that you've got. And, and, and you think to yourself, I hope that Joseph has found him. But you see, when you get back together, you realize that your story is the same. Neither of you can find him, and, and no one has seen him all day. And that leads you to the only logical conclusion. Jesus must have stayed behind in Jerusalem, and so you're going to have to go back there and look for him. But here's the thing. It's not safe to travel at night, so you, you lie down and you don't sleep. And then you travel a day, a long, hard day, until you finally get to Jerusalem. And when you do, you go searching for him. You, you search up and down the streets. You look in and out of every nook and cranny. You ask anyone who will listen, have you seen our son? His name is Jesus. We don't know where he is. He's not where he's supposed to be. And for two frantic days, this is your story. Your son is missing. You see, then on on the third day, you finally find him. And and when you do, when you find him sitting in the temple courts, when you you see him listening to the teachers of the religious law, when you hear him asking all sorts of questions, you realize that you've got a couple of questions too. And yours are the questions of an anxious mother. Yours are the questions of a frantic parent. Yours are the questions of someone who's been searching and screaming, pouring over crowds and faces, looking for Jesus. And in the midst of it all, he wasn't where he was supposed to be. You know, when I, uh, I think about Mary's story, it strikes me that, that sometimes uh, it feels that way for us too, doesn't it? Now, that Jesus isn't always where we want him to be. Now, that Jesus isn't always where we expect him to be, especially in times of, of loss or crisis. Uh, during downturns or, or life-breaking moments. I mean, in moments like these, it is so easy to look around and to ask, where is Jesus? Uh, now, two days ago, uh, we, after what many of us would consider to be uh, some of the most difficult months in recent memory, uh, we turned the page on the calendar and ushered in a new year. And, uh, and I don't know about you, uh, but at least for me, uh, the beginning of a new year is a moment that invites time for introspection and, and reflection. And, and this past week, I, I found myself thinking about what life was like just one year ago. 
Uh, more specifically, I found myself thinking about where I expected Jesus to show up a year ago uh, in the year ahead. And, you know, as a pastor, uh, I found myself first thinking about our church. I guess that's what happens when you're a pastor. Uh, but at the time, you know, Pastor Mike's New American Ministry was uh, beginning to focus. And so I found myself thinking about that and, you know, how God might appear or show up in the midst of it. Uh, I found myself thinking about uh, pizza and praise. A number of us on staff and here at Messiah had been spending time thinking about pizza and praise and, and how we might uh, be intentional in the way that uh, we share life and bless families at Eagle, at Compass. And then I found myself thinking about PLI, which I haven't spoken a whole lot about from up here, but PLI stands for Pastoral Leadership Institute. It's a Lutheran organization that helps congregations as they share life with one another. It gives us tools and language as we share life together. And for the past two years, a number of your leaders have been involved in this. And I found myself thinking about how Jesus might show up in the midst of that in the year ahead. And then I found myself thinking about the Miller family. After moving here in 2018 and then uh, buying a house and having a kid in 2019, I found myself hoping that Jesus might just show up in a, in a calmer and quieter, a less chaotic 2020. And yet this past week, as I uh, found myself looking back, I realized that, uh, that Jesus wasn't where I expected him to be at all last year. You know, while this is a little bit of hyperbole, I also realize uh, that if I'd gone searching for Jesus in many of those places, there's a good chance that I might not have even found him. And, and I think that reveals this challenge uh, that we see in today's reading. Uh, the challenge uh, that Jesus isn't always where we expect him, that actually, sometimes, oftentimes, Jesus is in the place that we least expect him. You know, this can cause uh, all sorts of problems uh, for people like you and me. I mean, maybe it makes you feel uh, annoyed and upset because, you know, this thing happened. This thing happened and, and you can't find Jesus. I mean, Jesus, where are you? Or, or maybe it makes you feel anxious and, and uneasy. Jesus, uh, Jesus, you weren't over there. You weren't in March and April. And, and so maybe you'll be over there in June or July or in October or November or, or the next place I look for you. Or maybe... Maybe it just makes you feel plain discouraged. I mean, Jesus, the whole world is falling apart. Do you have any moments like that last year? Jesus, the whole world is falling apart. Where are you? You see, it can cause all sorts of problems uh, for people like you and me. And at the root of those problems are uh, the temptation to believe that Jesus isn't where he's supposed to be. It reminds me of uh, what Mary says to Jesus when she finally finds him. If you, you remember, she shows up in the temple and she looks at him and she says, Son, why have you treated us this way? Don't you know that your father and I have been anxiously looking for you? And, and do you remember how Jesus responds to her? How Jesus responds to his mom, his mom who has been anxiously and frantically searching for him because he's been missing for the last three days? Jesus looks at his mom and he says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that, that I had to be in my father's house or other translations say, didn't you know I had to be about my father's things? And, and if you read this, you know that he's not talking about his father, Joseph. He's talking about his father in heaven. And, and you see, that's the, the good news uh, that first feels like really bad news in today's reading. I mean, Jesus, 
isn't here to do our will. Jesus isn't here to do our will. He's here to do uh, the Father's will. And what we see in Luke's gospel is that Jesus relentlessly pursues it. And this is why we see him here in the temple. And this is why Jesus heads to Jerusalem. He heads to Jerusalem to do the Father's will, not our will, but the Father's will, to die on a cross and to rise again, this act of love that redeems and restores, that forgives and renews, that gives hope and meaning, purpose and possibility for people like you and me and everyone else in this crazy, mixed-up world. I mean, this is the good news that starts like bad news in today's reading. Because when you ask the question, where is Jesus? Jesus is exactly where he's supposed to be. He's always where he's supposed to be. He's doing the Father's will. And and while we wouldn't always choose it, we sure do need it. Now, at the beginning of my sermon, uh, I said that every time the second Sunday after Christmas rolls around, every time we encounter this reading, I find myself thinking uh, about uh, the movie Home Alone. And that's because there's this surprising parallel uh, between uh, that story and this movie, uh, that there is this boy who's left behind and then uh, these two parents who are absolutely frantic. But there's this other parallel that I want you to notice uh, between that movie and today's story, and that's that in both cases, uh, the boy is exactly where he needs to be. See, in the case of Kevin McAllister, uh, he is at home defending his parents' home from uh, a couple of would-be burglars, and in Jesus' case, uh, he is doing the Father's will, whatever that might mean and wherever that might take him. And as we turn the page on the calendar and usher in a brand new year, it's my hope and prayer that, that God would give us the courage uh, to trust and to follow him, whatever 2021 might mean and wherever 2021 uh, might take us, that we would trust and follow him, that we would trust that Jesus is always at work, always doing the Father's will, even in the midst of unwanted and unexpected circumstances. And, you know, if I look back at the past year, if I take stock in 2020, I'm sure to give thanks for all of you. Because I think that's the story that 2020 is going to tell of Messiah. It's going to tell a story of a group of people, a group of Christians, all of you who are willing to trust and follow Jesus, sometimes in the midst of very unwanted, unexpected circumstances. And yet, in the midst of it all, you trusted and followed Jesus. And so as we turn the page on the calendar and get ready for the year ahead, I thank God for all of you. I thank God for your willingness to trust Jesus even when you can't see where that will lead you. I thank God for your willingness to follow him, whatever that might mean and wherever that might take you, because that is God's calling for our lives. That's God's calling for our lives today, and that's God's calling for our lives in the year ahead, that we would trust and follow him. And I look forward to trusting and following Jesus in the year ahead with all of you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.